part three section thirteen of swan's way by marcel proust translated by c k scott moncrief eighteen eighty nine to nineteen thirty this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three swan in love section thirteen as his hand stole out towards the shutters he felt a pang of shame at the thought that odette would now know that he had suspected her that he had returned that he had posted himself outside her window she had often told him what a horror she had of jealous men of lovers who spied what he was going to do would be extremely awkward and she would detest him for ever after whereas now for the moment so long as he refrained from knocking perhaps even in the act of infidelity she loved him still how often is not the prospect of future happiness thus sacrificed to one's impatient insistence upon an immediate gratification but his desire to know the truth was stronger and seemed to him nobler than his desire for her he knew that the true story of certain events which he would have given his life to be able to reconstruct accurately and in full was to be read within that window streaked with bars of light as within the illuminated golden boards of one of those precious manuscripts by whose wealth of artistic treasures the scholar who consults them cannot remain unmoved he yearned for the satisfaction of knowing the truth which so impassioned him in that brief fleeting precious transcript on that translucent page so warm so beautiful and besides the advantage which he felt which he so desperately wanted to feel that he had over them lay perhaps not so much in knowing as in being able to show them that he knew he drew himself up on tiptoe he knocked they had not heard he knocked again louder their conversation ceased a man's voice he strained his ears to distinguish whose among such of odette's friends as he knew the voice could be asked who's that he could not be certain of the voice he knocked once again the window first then the shutters were thrown open it was too late now to retire and since she must know all so as not to seem too contemptible too jealous and inquisitive he called out in a careless hearty welcoming tone please don't bother i just happened to be passing and saw the light i wanted to know if you were feeling better he looked up two old gentlemen stood facing him in the window one of them with a lamp in his hand and beyond them he could see into the room a room that he had never seen before having fallen into the habit when he came late to odette of identifying her window by the fact that it was the only one still lighted in a row of windows otherwise all alike he had been misled this time by the light and had knocked at the window beyond hers in the adjoining house he made what apology he could and hurried home overjoyed that the satisfaction of his curiosity had preserved their love intact and that having feigned for so long when in odette's company a sort of indifference he had not now by a demonstration of jealousy given her that proof of the excess of his own passion which in a pair of lovers fully and finally dispenses the recipient from the obligation to love the other enough he never spoke to her of this misadventure he ceased even to think of it himself but now and then his thoughts in their wandering course would come upon this memory where it lay unobserved would startle it into life thrust it more deeply down into his consciousness and leave him aching with a sharp far-rooted pain as though this had been a bodily pain swan's mind was powerless to alleviate it 
in the case of bodily pain however since it is independent of the mind the mind can dwell upon it can note that it has diminished that it has momentarily ceased but with this mental pain the mind merely by recalling it created it afresh to determine not to think of it was but to think of it still to suffer from it still and when in conversation with his friends he forgot his sufferings suddenly a word casually uttered would make him change countenance as a wounded man does when a clumsy hand has touched his aching limb when he came away from odette he was happy he felt calm he recalled the smile with which in gentle mockery she had spoken to him of this man or of that a smile which was all tenderness for himself he recalled the gravity of her head which she seemed to have lifted from its axis to let it droop and fall as though against her will upon his lips as she had done on that first evening in the carriage her languishing gaze at him while she lay nestling in his arms her bended head seeming to recede between her shoulders as though shrinking from the cold but then at once his jealousy as it had been the shadow of his love presented him with the compliment with the converse of that new smile with which she had greeted him that very evening with which now perversely she was mocking swan while she tendered her love to another of that lowering of her head but lowered now to fall on other lips and but bestowed upon a stranger of all the marks of affection that she had shown to him and all these voluptuous memories which he bore away from her house were as one might say but so many sketches rough plans like the schemes of decoration which a designer submits to one in outline enabling swan to form an idea of the various attitudes aflame or faint with passion which she was capable of adopting for others with the result that he came to regret every pleasure that he tasted in her company every new caress that he invented and had been so imprudent as to point out to her how delightful it was every fresh charm that he found in her for he knew that a moment later they would go to enrich the collection of instruments in his secret torture-chamber a fresh turn was given to the screw when swan recalled a sudden expression which he had intercepted a few days earlier and for the first time in odette's eyes it was after dinner at the verderons whether it was because forcheville aware that Sagnette, his brother-in-law was not in favour with them had decided to make a butt of him and to shine at his expense or because he had been annoyed by some awkward remark which Sagnette had made to him although it had passed unnoticed by the rest of the party who knew nothing of whatever tactless allusion it might conceal or possibly because he had been for some time looking out for an opportunity of securing the expulsion from the house of a fellow-guest who knew rather too much about him and whom he knew to be so nice-minded that he himself could not help feeling embarrassed at times merely by his presence in the room forcheville replied to sagnette's tactless utterance with such a volley of abuse going out of his way to insult him emboldened the louder he shouted by the fear the pain the entreaties of his victim that the poor creature after asking madame verderon whether he should stay and receiving no answer had left the house in stammering confusion and with tears in his eyes odette had looked on impassive at this scene but when the door had closed behind sagnette she had forced the normal expression of her face down as the saying is by several pegs so as to bring herself on to the same level of vulgarity as forcheville her eyes had sparkled with a malicious smile of congratulation upon his audacity 
of ironical pity for the poor wretch who had been its victim she had darted at him a look of complicity in the crime which so clearly implied that's finished him off or i'm very much mistaken did you see what a fool he looked he was actually crying that forcheville when his eyes met hers sobered in a moment from the anger or pretended anger with which he was still flushed smiled as he explained he need only have made himself pleasant and he'd have been here still a good scolding does a man no harm at any time one day when swann had gone out early in the afternoon to pay a call and had failed to find the person at home whom he wished to see it occurred to him to go instead to odette at an hour when although he never went to her house then as a rule he knew that she was always at home resting or writing letters until tea-time and would enjoy seeing her for a moment if it did not disturb her the porter told him that he believed odette to be in swann rang the bell thought that he heard a sound that he heard footsteps but no one came to the door anxious and annoyed he went round to the other little street at the back of her house and stood beneath her bedroom window the curtains were drawn and he could see nothing he knocked loudly upon the pane he shouted still no one came he could see that the neighbors were staring at him he turned away thinking that after all he had perhaps been mistaken in believing that he heard footsteps but he remained so preoccupied with the suspicion that he could turn his mind to nothing else after waiting for an hour he returned he found her at home she told him that she had been in the house when he rang but had been asleep the bell had awakened her she had guessed that it must be swan and had run out to meet him but he had already gone she had of course heard him knocking at the window swan could at once detect in this story one of those fragments of literal truth which liars when taken by surprise console themselves by introducing into the composition of the falsehood which they have to invent thinking that it can be safely incorporated and will lend the whole story an air of verisimilitude it was true that when odette had just done something which she did not wish to disclose she would take pains to conceal it in a secret place in her heart but as soon as she found herself face to face with a man to whom she was obliged to lie she became uneasy all her ideas melted like wax before a flame her inventive and her reasoning faculties were paralyzed she might ransack her brain but would find only a void still she must say something and there lay within her reach precisely the fact which she had wished to conceal which being the truth was the one thing that had remained she broke off from it a tiny fragment of no importance in itself assuring herself that after all it was the best thing to do since it was a detail of the truth and less dangerous therefore than a falsehood at any rate this is true she said to herself that's always something to the good he may make inquiries he will see that this is true it won't be this anyhow that will give me away but she was wrong it was what gave her away she had not taken into account that this fragmentary detail of the truth had sharp edges which could not be made to fit in except to those contiguous fragments of the truth from which she had arbitrarily detached it edges which whatever the fictitious details in which she might embed it would continue to show by their overlapping angles and by the gaps which she had forgotten to fill that its proper place was elsewhere she admits that she heard me ring and then knock that she knew it was myself that she wanted to see me swann thought to himself but that doesn't correspond with the fact that she did not let me in he did not however draw her attention to this inconsistency for he thought that if left to herself odette might perhaps produce some falsehood which would give him a faint indication of the truth 
She spoke. He did not interrupt her. He gathered up with an eager and sorrowful piety the words that fell from her lips, feeling, and rightly feeling, since she was hiding the truth behind them as she spoke, that like the veil of a sanctuary they kept a vague imprint, traced a faint outline of that infinitely precious and, alas, undiscoverable truth what she had been doing that afternoon at three o'clock when he had called a truth of which he would never possess any more than these falsifications illegible and divine traces a truth which would exist henceforward only in the secretive memory of this creature who would contemplate it in utter ignorance of its value but would never yield it up to him it was true that he had now and then a strong suspicion that odette's daily activities were not in themselves passionately interesting and that such relations as she might have with other men did not exhale naturally in a universal sense or for every rational being a spirit of morbid gloom capable of infecting with fever or of inciting to suicide he realized at such moments that that interest that gloom existed in him only as a malady might exist and that once he was cured of the malady the actions of odette the kisses that she might have bestowed would become once again as innocuous as those of countless other women but the consciousness that the painful curiosity with which swan now studied them had its origin only in himself was not enough to make him decide that it was unreasonable to regard that curiosity as important and to take every possible step to satisfy it swan had in fact reached an age the philosophy of which supported in his case by the current philosophy of the day as well as by that of the circle in which he had spent most of his life the group that surrounded the princesse de l'homme in which one's intelligence was understood to increase with the strength of one's disbelief in everything and nothing real and incontestable was to be discovered except the individual tastes of each of its members is no longer that of youth but a positive almost a medical philosophy the philosophy of men who instead of fixing their aspirations upon external objects endeavour to separate from the accumulation of the years already spent a definite residue of habits and passions which they can regard as characteristic and permanent and with which they will deliberately arrange before anything else that the kind of existence which they choose to adopt shall not prove inharmonious swan deemed it wise to make allowance in his life for the suffering which he derived from not knowing what odette had done just as he made allowance for the impetus which a damp climate always gave to his eczema to anticipate in his budget the expenditure of a considerable sum on procuring with regard to the daily occupations of odette information the lack of which would make him unhappy just as he reserved a margin for the gratification of other tastes from which he knew that pleasure was to be expected at least before he had fallen in love such as his taste for collecting things or for good cooking when he proposed to take leave of odette and to return home she begged him to stay a little longer and even detained him forcibly seizing him by the arm as he was opening the door to go but he gave no thought to that for among the crowd of gestures and speeches and other little incidents which go to make up a conversation it is inevitable that we should pass without noticing anything that arouses our interest by those that hide a truth for which our suspicions are blindly searching whereas we stop to examine others beneath which nothing lies concealed she kept on saying what a dreadful pity you never by any chance come in the afternoon and the one time you do come then i miss you 
he knew very well that she was not sufficiently in love with him to be so keenly distressed merely at having missed his visit but as she was a good-natured woman anxious to give him pleasure and often sorry when she had done anything that annoyed him he found it quite natural that she should be sorry on this occasion that she had deprived him of that pleasure of spending an hour in her company which was so very great a pleasure if not to herself at any rate to him all the same it was a matter of so little importance that her air of unrelieved sorrow began at length to bewilder him she reminded him even more than was usual of the faces of some of the women created by the painter of the primavera she had at that moment their downcast heartbroken expression which seems ready to succumb beneath the burden of a grief too heavy to be borne when they are merely allowing the infant jesus to play with a pomegranate or watching moses pour water into a trough he had seen the same sorrow once before on her face but when he could no longer say then suddenly he remembered it it was when odette had lied in apologizing to madame verdurin on the evening after the dinner from which she had stayed away on a pretext of illness but really so that she might be alone with swann surely even had she been the most scrupulous of women she could hardly have felt remorse for so innocent a lie but the lies which odette ordinarily told were less innocent and served to prevent discoveries which might have involved her in the most terrible difficulties with one or another of her friends and so when she lied smitten with fear feeling herself to be but feebly armed for her defence unconfident of success she was inclined to weep from sheer exhaustion as children weep sometimes when they have not slept she knew also that her lie as a rule was doing a serious injury to the man to whom she was telling it and that she might find herself at his mercy if she told it badly therefore she felt at once humble and culpable in his presence and when she had to tell an insignificant social lie its hazardous associations and the memories which it recalled would leave her weak with a sense of exhaustion and penitent with a consciousness of wrong-doing what depressing lie was she now concocting for swann's benefit to give her that pained expression that plaintive voice which seemed to falter beneath the effort that she was forcing herself to make and to plead for pardon he had an idea that it was not merely the truth about what had occurred that afternoon that she was endeavouring to hide from him but something more immediate something possibly which had not yet happened but might happen now at any time and when it did would throw a light upon that earlier event at that moment he heard the front door-bell ring odette never stopped speaking but her words dwindled into an inarticulate moan her regret at not having seen swann that afternoon at not having opened the door to him had melted into a universal despair he could hear the gate being closed and the sound of a carriage as though someone were going away probably the person whom swann must on no account meet after being told that odette was not at home and then when he reflected that merely by coming at an hour when he was not in the habit of coming he had managed to disturb so many arrangements of which she did not wish him to know he had a feeling of discouragement that amounted almost to distress but since he was in love with odette since he was in the habit of turning all his thoughts towards her the pity with which he might have been inspired for himself he felt for her only and murmured poor darling when finally he left her she took up several letters which were lying on the table and asked him if he would be so good as to post them for her he walked along to the post-office took the letters from his pocket and before dropping each of them into the box 
scanned its address they were all to tradesmen except the last which was to forcheville he kept it in his hand if i saw what was in this he argued i should know what she calls him what she says to him whether there really is anything between them perhaps if i don't look inside i shall be lacking in delicacy towards odette since in this way alone i can rid myself of a suspicion which is perhaps a calumny on her which must in any case cause her suffering and which can never possibly be set at rest once the letter is posted end of part three section thirteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine